1 John chapter 4. And as you turn there, we have been going through 1 John uh, verse by verse, and we've made it to chapter 4. And back when we started 1 John, I gave Kenny a, a list of the plan. Each sermon, these are the, each week, these are the verses we're going to cover. This is the, the title of the sermon. This is what it's about, that kind of thing. And I have stayed pretty faithful. You would be proud of me, guys. I, I know y'all. <clears throat> See, they're proud. And uh, But this week, that's all going to change because... As I was preparing this week, and as I kept reading, um, I just kept thinking, "We need to, we need to slow down here. We need to focus on these few verses, and it's the perfect time to do this because we are leaving a time of of Thanksgiving. Hopefully, we're not going to stop being thankful, but the holiday season of Thanksgiving and moving toward Christmas, and a lot of years." This can just be a blur. It it can, whether it's because you have so much happening and there's so much good happening and it's just you have Thanksgiving and it leads one thing to another and before you know it, it's the next year. Excuse me. I'm going to be coughing a lot during this sermon because we went to southeast Arkansas to visit our family this weekend and there's a lot of crops and dust that my body has forgotten about in my several months that we've been here. And so I apologize in advance, but we had a great, great visit. Um, But back to what I was saying, sometimes that time flies by, other times it drags on. Um, Sometimes we don't have the best time during the holiday season, whether, uh, whatever our reasons Sometimes the holiday seasons are a time of a reminder of pain, of loss, of heartache. And, and so sometimes these, these moments seem like an eternity. And whether it's flying by or whether it's dragging by, what I want us to do is to turn our attention and turn our focus toward God. Because whether we're rejoicing or whether we're mourning, God is there. And he is there with us. And he is there to rejoice with us. And he is there to mourn with us. He is the God of, uh, who sent his son. And we get to celebrate this birth in a few weeks. But he is also the God who sent his son to die. We have to remember that not only is, are we serving a God that we celebrate this beautiful birth. But in a few months we're serving a God who gave his life on a cross. And the reason, if, if we want to be honest and we want to, to, to look at the whole picture, the reason for Christmas is Easter, that resurrection. The reason for Christmas is, is so he could be born, Jesus could be born as a man to identify with our lives, with our suffering, but to glorify, ultimately to glorify the, the Father. That's the purpose of Christmas. And ultimately, he glorified the Father by giving his life as a sacrifice for him, for our good, for our future's sake. And we're going to be looking at some of that this morning. And so what I want us to do, and what I would love for us as a church to do over the next few weeks, is in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the, the excitement for some of us, and in the middle of the pain for some of us, 
I want us to put our attention and our focus on Jesus. I want us to look at how he has proven his love and how he still continues to prove his love. I want Jesus, you know, there's that catchphrase, the reason for the season. I want Jesus to be our focus. I want the reason for the season for us to be focused on. And so we're going to get to that in just a moment in Scripture. But I can't help but notice how beautiful the sanctuary looks this morning with the lights up. But there's a decoration missing. That's Miss Shirley Wilson. Um, because y'all know how she dresses up every every Sunday and how it would make the room a little brighter this morning. But um, let's let's pray that God would bless the reading of his word. And, and as we s- s- commit the rest of our time together in his word. But let's also pray for Miss Shirley um, who is in the hospital this morning and hopefully recovering and getting better. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we are so grateful that you saw fit to have people write down what was going on during Jesus' life and afterwards. I'm so thankful for John and the words that we have this morning. I'm thankful for your entire word. And I pray that you would help us to focus on it this morning. Lord, be with Miss Shirley, be with Mr. Jimmy. I thank you for their love for you, and I just pray that you would help her to recover quickly. Lord, we have many people in our church that are going through difficult situations right now, whether it's illnesses or other things. And, Lord, we just pray that that your presence would be felt and that your peace in the midst of trials would be felt. And, Lord, we love you, and we're grateful that you love us enough that you sent your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, we're going to see how our love, our love specifically for each other and for others, our love um, reveals God. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, John starts with this familiar word for those of you who have been um, reading through John or have read through John or been going verse by verse with us through John, beloved. Okay, he says this word. We immediately see this word again, which he has repeated several times throughout this letter, and, and it, it reflects the love that he has for the people to whom he is writing. And not only that, but he says, Beloved, let us, he's identifying, him, identifying himself with them, let us love one another. Now, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who are in this church or these churches in the area to where he is writing. And he is telling them, Beloved, I love you, beloved. Let us love one another. For love is from God. Now, love is something that is repeated throughout 1 John. It's going to be repeated many, many times just in this these few verses that we're looking at this morning. And so, I want us to pay attention when things are repeated. This isn't the only thing that we'll see that's repeated, but beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There are a few things going on here. And the first one I want us to talk about, and we will see this some more as we continue to dig into this passage, is that before the world began, before God created the heavens and the earth, we as Christians believe, John has taught, very clearly in his gospel uh, that before the creation of the world, God existed. And God existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the Trinity, there was perfect love. And we're going to see this play out some in the scripture later. 
in God's in God in John's gospel, he several times makes these I am statements. Jesus makes the statements. John records them. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, Abraham lived a long time before Jesus was born on earth. So what is he talking about when he says, before Abraham was, I am. A current, you know, this is a present tense, not a past tense, I am. Well, he is identifying himself with Yahweh, with the I am that I am that we see in Exodus. And Jesus existed before the world began. In fact, if you remember how John began his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he identifies the Word as Jesus. So before the creation of the world, Jesus existed already. He is God. He is eternal, just as the Father, just as the Holy Spirit. He is eternal. And so we've seen this in First in John before. Uh, if you look at First John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And so even in the beginning of this letter, he's talking about Jesus in the beginning, that which was from the beginning, the word of life it was Jesus. But continuing, um, this entire letter is about Jesus and his people, his followers, and how his followers should be like him. Specifically this morning, we're talking about love. We should love like him. So, verse 7. Let's look at it one more time. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. It existed. Love existed before the creation of the world. This is not something that originated with men. This is not something that we get to say that we own or that we define Love is something that existed before us. God gets to define love. He gets to choose what love is. And I know we've talked about this before, but I love pizza, right? But I don't love pizza enough to give my life up for it. There are different types of love. There are different degrees, you could say, of love. And there is only one true, perfect, agape, God-like love. And that is what we need to emulate as Christians. God's love. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God. Now, I want you to look at uh, the timeline here. Whoever loves is gets saved. No, that's not what it says. Whoever loves has been, already, has been born of God. You see, it's not that loving others saves us and allows us to go to heaven. If we are saved, if we have a relationship with God, then we will love others. Whoever loves has been born of God. And we have to remember the context. He is writing this letter to specific Christians, and he has already addressed several times these false teachers. And we have to assume in the context of what's going on here that he is still addressing these things. And he's saying, uh, without saying it, it appears that he is that there were people who were trying to define what love was, and they were trying to, to put their own parameters on it, and they were trying to maybe say that by doing these certain things, you can earn your way to heaven. But, but John is clarifying and says, whoever loves has been already, has been born of God and knows God. This word knows is used over and over and over in this letter. And 
it is with love the most repeated they are the most repeated words in this letter john loves this word and this isn't just a head knowledge this is intimate knowledge they know and love him and so we finish this verse and i've been breaking this down and chopping it up so let's just read the whole verse over with verse seven beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love so if someone claims to be a christian but they do not love, their claims are empty. We can claim to be all sorts of things, but that doesn't mean we are that, right? I can claim, like Roger did in a text message earlier this week, to be qualified to be the head coach of the Razorbacks. But that doesn't make it so. Some would say that we have hired people in the past who weren't qualified to be the head coach of the Razorbacks. But that's another topic for another time. Just because we claim something doesn't mean it's true. We can claim to be a Christian. It doesn't necessarily make it so. If you are a Christian, if we are Christians, then there will be evidence of that relationship with Christ. And that evidence, the primary evidence of a relationship with God as far as our actions is what? Love. Love. So in verse 8, we see that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, let's be clear. There are some false teachings even in our day that says love is God. That if you just love, then that's good, that's God. And again, who's defining what this love means and what this love is? But that's not what this says. This says that God is love. God has many things. God is kind. He is righteous. He, he is love. He is wrathful. He is just. He is love. God embodies what love is. And he has proven that, as we're going to see. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So how was God's love proven? How was it exemplified, lived out, embodied? How was it manifest, made manifest among us? That God sent his only son into the world. This is Christmas. What's the ultimate proof of God's love? It's that he sent his son. Because why is he sending his son? He's sending his son ultimately to die. And so during this holiday season, during the month that is approaching, December, during these next few days, these last days of November, let us just slow down and let us put our attention on God and how God is love and how the ultimate proof of that love is Christmas is that he sent his son in the first place. I've already said that God existed in eternity past, that he existed, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit existed before the creation of the world. I've already mentioned how that is true. 
if that is true, which I believe it is, which the Bible purports it to be true, then he knew, if, and if God is all-knowing, then he knew before he created the world, before he created man, that Christmas would come. That the birth of his son would come. That the death of his son would come. He knew this already. And yet he still chose out of love and out of the abundance of the love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had for each other, they together still chose to create man. They still chose to create us. This is love. That the Father sent his Son. Christmas is proof of love. And if we, during these next few weeks, can, can give this occasion, the birth of the Son of God, if we can give this occasion of God himself putting on flesh in order to become a baby, a helpless baby who was at the mercy of adults. I remember one time when John Michael was a baby, he had colic, and it was horrible. I love that little dude so much, but man, those were tough days. And Rose and I were at our wit's end and our physical end, our emotional end. And, and there was one night where it would come to the point where like Rose and I would just have to take shifts. And it, it was my turn and John was screaming. He had been screaming for hours and uh, I was just walking around the room and I was just like, God, please you know, take care of him. Please help him to stop crying. Please just let me get some sleep. Please, and, you know, I was at the end of my rope. Those of you who have had babies, and especially babies with some sort of problem like this, you understand what I'm talking about. And uh, I remember walking out of the room and thump. I looked down, I hit his head on the door frame. <laughs> now, he's okay. He was running around here earlier shaking hands. He was getting into plenty of trouble during Thanksgiving. But here's my point. Jesus put himself in the hands of people like me, human beings who boink their babies' heads on door frames. That is love. That he would take that risk. Now, obviously, he is at the same time that he becomes man, and he is fully man, and he fully has. The limitations of man, he is still fully God and has no limitations. He chose any limitations he had while he was here on earth. He put those limits in place. He chose not to act. He still had the ability to act on those things as God, but chose not to. And it's a mystery. I can't explain it all. I don't know how it all works. But I trust it and I have faith that Jesus was man and was God. Jesus is man and is God. And... This is love. That, and this is how it was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world. And so while we we're putting up our Christmas trees and while we're doing our shopping and while we're mourning because someone's not going to get to celebrate with us this year or whatever the case, the legitimate, true, gut-riching reasons that we have to mourn during this season and the exuberant reasons we have to rejoice let us remember why we're even doing this it's because god made his love manifest among us 
by sending his son. So that we might live through him. So that we could have life. And how is this even possible? Because we were enemies of God. We were, we as humans had, after God's decision to create us, he, he did create us. And the first humans rebelled against him and sinned against him. And sin has been a part of our nature ever since. It's been part of who we are. And so how can we live through him? Verse 10, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Well, this is how we can be made right with God. God sent his son, but he didn't just send his son so that we could celebrate the birth of God as human. He sent his son to become the payment of our sins. He sent his son to die on a cross. And it's not like the father was saying, now, Jesus, you do this. No, this was out of perfect love. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in unity, in love, decided that they would create us so that they could pour their love out on us. And in that creation, we would rebel against them, even though they did only good for us. We would rebel against them. We would sin. We would cause a separation between us and God. And but God had a plan from the beginning to make it right. And his plan was to send his son. And Jesus would come. And the debt that we owe God because we had sinned against him, because God is just and he has to do what's right, and it's right to punish people who do wrong, and God had to punish us, and yet the plan was he would send his son. And for all those willing to call upon the name of his son, for all those willing to put their trust and their faith in his son, the son would make payment for their sins. Thank God, praise God, this is Christmas. This is what we get to celebrate. The fact that, that God's love was made manifest among us, that he sent his son to this earth to become a man, to die on a cross, to pay for our sins, to be the payment that satisfied God's wrath. The very same God who loved us, who created us, and yet the very same God who is good and has to pour his wrath out on evil. And we are the evil. And yet Jesus came and he said, God, I know that, that I'm not the one who sinned. I know that I have been perfect and that I have always done right. And I've, all, I've always loved perfectly. And I know people like Philip and David and Miss Dixie and, and fill in the blank. I know that they have sinned. I know that they have fallen short of your glory. But I want to pay their debt for them. I want to be the propitiation for their sins. I want to be the payment for their sins. And that's what he did in this perfect plan. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, here's this word again. He's reminding them, I love you, and this is amazing news. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God loved us like that, and we call ourselves little Christ Christians, and we call ourselves his, then how could we not love other people? How can we not stop and slow down? And we, we want to cuss the person in line in front of us at Walmart because it's been one of those holiday seasons. Instead, we love them. How can we not, when our favorite brother or uncle or whoever it is, is getting on our nerves during the holiday season, us just slow down and instead love them. 
how can we not, when we see people who are in pain because of, of sincere things that have happened, serious things that have happened to them, how can we not stop and slow down and love them? I don't always pick on people who live in our community, but since this was on Facebook and it was public, I will go ahead and do this. Um, I saw where uh, Brenda Sejak and her kids saw a man who needed some, looked like he was hungry, needed some food. So they stopped and offered him this plate of food that they had already prepared. And, of course, he was grateful. That is love. Just, just serve people. Just put others before yourself. How do we know that God loved us? He put us first. He's God, and yet he sent his son to die to become the propitiation for our sins so that we could be made right with God, so that we could glorify God and worship him the way that we were created to. Let's just look for little opportunities to show people that we truly love them. Please go to a nursing home during this month, this upcoming month. Please look for opportunities to love people under your own roof or your place of employment. Please, please make people understand why we are so happy to celebrate Christmas. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our last verse we're going to look at this morning, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. Now, of course, his love was made manifest among us in Jesus, right? But this is talking about the unfiltered, full presence in all his glory and all his holiness, God. When Jesus came, of course, he was 100% God. But we had talked about how he did not reveal all those things. For example, God is to be served. But what did Jesus choose to do while he was a man here on earth? He came to serve, not to be served, right? God is going to be the judge, the ultimate judge at the end of days. We've seen this in Scripture over and over again. And, and yet, what does 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 tell us? That he did not come to condemn the world, but to do what? To save it. The world was already condemned. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And so, no one has ever seen God. In the Old Testament, they saw glimpses of him. He put Moses in the cleft of the rock, covered him with his hand, whatever that means. And pass by him, whatever that means. And Moses got to see a glimpse of his glory. We see examples in the Old Testament where people saw glimpses. We see Jesus himself in the New Testament manifesting the love of God. But no one has ever seen God in all his unfiltered glory. Yet, look, this, that's not the end of the sentence. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What does this mean? It means no one's ever seen God, but you know a good way for them to get close? Let's show them the love of God. Let's love one another. Haven't we had enough of bickering? Haven't we had enough of heartache? Haven't we had enough of division? Let us love one another. Let us swallow our pride and, and do what's best for the people around us. And who's he, who's he writing this to? He's writing this to the church, to Christians. And so I'm reading it to us, to Christians. 
No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let us love like this. Like what? Well, the person, if, if I can call God a person right now, the person who deserves the most glory, who deserves worship, who deserves to be served, he came to serve us. The location that we all desire to be, heaven, in, in the presence of the Father, the place where we cannot wait to be. Well, some of us can wait to get there, but we, we want to live full lives here. But the place that we long for, the place that is our true home as Christians, Jesus left the place we're all longing to be in order to come and be born as a baby a fragile human to grow into a man to die on a cross. So what does love look like? I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that it's sacrificial and I know it's going to hurt and I know it will bring fruit. I know it will reveal to people that there is a God and that he is love. And I know that whatever it costs you, you will get more in return in eternity. Whatever it costs us to love, God is there. We're going to have a time of invitation. And during this invitation, how did God speak to you through this scripture? I'm going to reread verses 7 through through 12 just in one paragraph and one... I'm not going to stop. And however this speaks to you, I'm going to ask you during this invitation to respond to God. If that's you want to be a part of our fellowship and join our church, if that's that you want to be baptized to show people, I am a follower of Jesus and I want to, to, to follow him. And here's my first step, making it public, getting baptized as he has commanded us. If you have not loved someone the way that you're supposed to and you need to leave the church right now so that you can call that person and apologize, then so be it. However God speaks to you, whatever he is leading you to do through this passage, that is what your invitation is, to respond to him in whatever way he's leading. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, help us to love like you love. We can't do this without you. It's impossible. It goes against our nature. It goes against everything in us. Lord, it goes against our desires to put ourselves behind other people, to put others before ourselves. But God, help us to do it because we want people to see your love. We want to see your love may manifest among us. We want to see Jesus living through the lives of Christians around us and through ourselves. We want to feel love. We want to experience love. We want to, to bathe in the midst of love. And we cannot do that if we do not love you and do not love others. 
Lord, you have shown us the ultimate example of love. You have given us the example of Jesus. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to live as he lived. That you would help us to love as you love. God, I pray for anyone in here who who just needs to be touched by your spirit this morning. I pray that you would clarify whatever response and whatever decisions need to be made. And that these wouldn't just be mental choices that we are making in an emotional moment. But that this would be a life-changing moment where your spirit reveals truth And it changes our hearts, and it changes who we are, and it changes our future actions. Lord, forgive us for how we failed you, and help us to be all that you have created us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.